like now it's like it's a new level of like reassuring yourself that I'm worthy of having this in my life and then taking the risk and it's not going to feel comfortable in the beginning because you are going to be embracing a new layer of self-love. This podcast is all about shining light on the real struggles and joys of life. We will have real experiences, real people, and real stories in the hopes that they motivate you and help you in your own journey. This is the One World Countless Stories podcast with Selena Novello. Today I have Spencer McLean on and I'm so excited to hear all about his story and all the things that he has been through in his life. I met Spencer, it's kind of complicated how I met Spencer, but my friend um, met his brother and his company online and he lives in Utah and uh, they had a movie premiere for a Star Wars remake what how do you call it like fan film? Star, Wars, Star Wars fan film yeah Star Wars fan film and my friend is obsessed with Star Wars and me I'm like you know still trying to get into it um and she invited me to come with her to Utah to go see this movie premiere and I was like yes adventure let's go and uh I ended up meeting him at the movie premiere and then we also went out to lunch together and ever since I met him I just like he is so powerful and within like the what was it like two hours that we got to sit down and talk to each other. I was just like mind blown about all the things he has been through and that he shared with me. So I'm very excited for him to pass some wisdom on to all of us today. So thank you so much for coming out. Hey, thank you. That was a, that was a beautiful introduction. (laughs) I was just going to say, I'd love for you to introduce yourself a little bit better and tell us about you. Yeah, no, and I just based off of one interaction, I was actually very impressed with just the introduction, how you're able to recap it all. And it was, yeah, it was it was a fun series of events that lined up for us to to line up and to meet each other. And I I, I think it's really cool how it all lined up. And I can go into that if you want to like how it looked on my on my side. Yeah. But a little bit about me. I am my name is Spencer McLean. Uh, I was born and raised most of my life in Utah. Um, and for those who are familiar with Utah, it was Alpine, Utah, which is up along the mountains. And as you saw, Selena, it's very beautiful down there. And so having the mountains in your backyard, you definitely notice it and miss it when you travel out of Utah. You'll notice a difference for sure. I lived in Idaho for a couple of years as well during my teen years. Uh, and then I moved back to Utah. And so I, that's, it's kind of, that's where I grew up most of my life. Um, and to go along with uh, what Selena mentioned about the film premiere, me and my brother have been making movies since we were really little. Uh, my older brother, Lachlan, brought home a camera, one of those big ones that you rest on your shoulder, you put a VHS in it. <laughs> and that's where we started, you know, and we had a lot of beautiful scenery and Alpine to film around. We had friends in the neighborhood and that's where the title uh, Backyard Tripod Film started. <laughs> because a lot of it was filmed in our backyard. And so I think it would, you know, that would, a story for another time with Lachlan, maybe he's, he's definitely, it's, it's beautiful to see how it's all evolved over the last couple of years or well, over our whole life, really. Cause I was seven when he, when he brought home the camera and then that's when it started. Um, so that's where the filming started. Um, but on the side of that, I've always been someone who is very intuitive, aware of my emotions and um, how I'm impacted by the world and relationships with other people. And I'm very observant. I guess it's just been the way that I, uh, I, I guess that's how I came to earth. I came to earth being very aware 
and observant. Um, and so that's a huge part of me is I, I definitely focus and pay attention to emotions and I try to be sensitive to how I feel and how other people feel. Mm-hmm. And um, so from there, like I've, my life's kind of been intuitive. I've been into self-development since I was about 13 and I've been kind of into the idea of really diving into what causes someone to uh, experience negative emotion, how it impacts them and how you can look to its opposite to see the positive and to grow from there. It's kind of been this journey of back and forth, back and forth, really knowing the difference between the light and the darkness, mm-hmm. which is kind of significant, you know, um, why I think I am really drawn to star Wars because that concept of the dark side and the light and the force is it's it's a beautiful visual to look at and to experience on screen mm-hmm. so yeah and that that's a fun little detail there but other than that like i've been uh, on the side of that i've been ex- i've explored a lot of entrepreneurship like opportunities i haven't officially um gone to school <laughs> i kind of consider life as my university and my teacher and I found that as I asked the right questions and talked to the right people at the right time oftentimes I line up with the very thing that I need to learn Mm -hmm. and so I've kind of been building momentum with that and it's been a fun beautiful journey and so along the way I've done things like filmmaking I've done I've I I've played around with some other businesses with my friends um but I've been an independent learner most of my life. So it's been kind of fun to just build momentum and to see where it's now leading to from here. Yeah, that's so awesome. Oh my gosh, there's so many things to get into. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm very excited. So the first thing is like, can you tell us a little bit about like your family and just your your life around your family a little bit? Yeah. So um I come from a bigger family. Mm-hmm. I there's uh nine of us. I'm number six. Wow. So I have six sisters and two brothers, one of them being uh, Lachlan, the one who created the film. Yeah. And um, I was home educated actually most of my life. I did kindergarten. And then after that, I was like, nope, I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> and so my mom homeschooled me. And then I had tutors throughout most of my life. And so a lot, I spent a lot of time at home. Mm-hmm. And so it was a lot of time for reflection and a lot of time to get to know myself. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And you said that you started personal development when you were 13 years old. Mm -hmm. So how did you like first get into that? So my oldest brother, Colin, um, was starting to get into it a little bit. He was at the time when I was living in Idaho, he went to school in Cedar City and he came home to visit one day and he brought this, he was listening to the CD I don't know if you've heard of him, but um, he brought out this CD from Kirk Duncan, who started his own self-development co- company called Three Key Elements. And my brother, we, being in Idaho, we were out in the country all the time, driving all over the place. And so we had long distances to our, our destinations. Mm-hmm. And um, my brother just popped in the CD once and I was listening to him like, okay, this guy, like he's saying some really cool stuff. Mm-hmm. It's resonating too. And so... I, that's where it all started. And that's, that's the, the person that I started um, following was Kirk Duncan. I, I got some of his CDs and I listened to it and then I started to expand a little bit and meet more people. But yeah, that's where it started for me. Mm, 
That's so awesome. So we're going to get pretty deep, pretty quick here, because I feel like I can relate to, you know, starting personal development at such a young age. I started, I think, when I was like about 15, 16. um, And I got into it through a business. I found a company called Origami Owl, their direct sales. I joined the company and they were all about becoming the best version, version of yourself and just developing yourself so you can give more to the world, which I absolutely loved. And I started getting like pretty addicted to becoming the best version of myself. And not until recently did I realize how a little bit damaging the messages that I was receiving. And I was telling myself because I felt like I was a constant work in progress. I was a fix. I had to fix all my problems. I was trying to find the answer to what was wrong with me. And what I realized in therapy was that like, there's nothing wrong with me. And I'm beautifully broken. And I wonder if you have any of those feelings that where you kind of feel like you're, you always have to be working on yourself and that there's this, there's this beautiful side of personal development where you learn so much about you and yourself. But there's also this other side that I'm just learning about now where it's kind of like throughout that whole time in my life, I was subconsciously telling myself that I was not enough the way that I was right now today. So do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I I think we're getting to the <laughs> yeah, anyways. I I can relate. I can relate. I mean, I was at a loss of words when I was like, okay, this is where we're going with it. And I <laughs> this is actually I can relate a lot to that right now, actually, mm-hmm. because I have noticed that there is a bit of a toxic side mm-hmm. to self-development. Mm-hmm. Um, because you get caught in that loop of trying to always be at a better place within Mm -hmm. yourself before you can move forward. And it's like, it kind of, it's kind of crippling to think that like, I can't move forward until I've overcome this or Mm -hmm. this or this or this. And it, and literally it's like, you overcome that. And then literally something else presents itself. It's like a hidden addiction within self-development of always trying, of always finding a problem to solve. And thinking that you have to overcome that before you can actually move forward with your life. And that's actually probably been one of my biggest obstacles growing up was I didn't, I wasn't aware that I was in that loop. Mm -hmm. You know, some people call it the perfectionism or the imposter syndrome analysis by paralysis. Like it has many names, but because it's very relatable. Mm -hmm. And I, the thing that I found with self-development is there's, there's a difference between self-development and actually healing. Mm. And when you heal, it, it ends the loop. Perfectionism. Mm. You, you're naturally sit on it. Like, oh, I am enough as I am right now. And I don't need to do X, Y, and Z to get to where I want to go. Right. And it seems when you trust in that healing process, self-development becomes more intuitive. It's not so much of a daily practice or routine that you have to do or else this or that will happen. It's when you trust in that journey, Mm -hmm. trust in the healing, Mm -hmm. you naturally will tune in to what you need to get to your next step. Mm -hmm. So it's not this constant battle of, I need to read this book, listen to this podcast, Mm -hmm. go to this guru to get to where I want to go. It's, it now becomes self Mm -hmm. development like it's very self and it's personal 
Mm-hmm. And that is the journey that I've kind of been integrating into the last couple of years. Cause that, that loop, it, it can, it can be toxic and it can be, um, very, um, what is the word? It pulls you down. It holds you down. And it doesn't like, it's, there's not a lot of progress. It's just a lot of busy work. Yeah. And like, you'd think like you would feel so achieved and you were like, yes, I learned all these new things, but I feel like as for me, like in my experience, I am also a perfectionist. And so like, it never felt like it was good enough. And that's like that thing where I realized just in the last couple of years as well, that like, I was feeling like I was not enough all the time in every area of my life because I was striving for what I thought was perfect, which doesn't exist. And I was just like constantly setting myself up for failure. But what I love about what you said is it's healing versus personal development. And it's like looking inwards and reflecting inwards. So could you share a little bit about your healing journey the last couple of years? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, a, a huge part of it was making was coming to that realization. Mm-hmm. First, that I was in that loop, that I was constantly trying. I was constantly trying to solve these problems yeah. before moving forward with my life. Yeah, and honestly, like being a part of the film Secrets of the Temple was kind of a, an opportunity for me to break through that because mm-hmm. it was this one year project of filming and during the filming there was, it was anything but perfect and far as, and and how it got done. Mm -hmm. And so during that time, it was, it happened to, we happened to be filming during one of the, the, the darkest moments of my life, actually. Like if I really think about it, like, and it was to this time of my life, the hardest year of my life. And I was like, why now, why during a time where I need to perform Mm. I was just, and, and, and so it was the universe's way, I think of presenting an opportunity for me to practice being imperfect on screen and watching how it plays into the film. Mm. So, um, does that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah. To like some extent. So what were those like hard things that you were going through during the filming? It was, um, I think and we, we kind of talked about this at the cafe after the premiere, just this idea of we sometimes when we experience a mental breakdown, mm-hmm. we think like, oh, my gosh, I need to quickly correct myself before I can get back on track to what I need to do. Mm-hmm. But the mental breakdown is a sign to really look at what's happening and then to reset because mentally you cannot maintain where you need to go with the current mindset that you have. So you mentally have to break down to be rebuilt to go on the journey in a new way. Mm-hmm. And so uh, for me, and you even talked about it too, and uh, your recent podcast about the, the little traumas and the big traumas and all that, like there was a, there's a compilation of little traumas that added up mm-hmm. that I just kind of shrugged off as being not a big deal. Mm-hmm. And because I didn't have enough conversation growing up about trauma, um, it was unfamiliar to me. Yeah. I thought I was having a, uh, like I was, I, I was having like a psychotic break or like I was going crazy mm-hmm. and it, and it, and it all started to surface. I think when I got a little bit more into dating a little bit mm-hmm. and it was like, all of a sudden there, the mere reflection of that person was reflecting back at me, the things in myself that I wasn't aware that was there. And it, and it came to the surface mm-hmm. and it wasn't so much like in the shadows anymore. It became a part of my life. It, it came out of the out of the shadows and into the forefront of my life. 
And so it was like, I was experiencing it in almost all aspects of my life. Cause now I had seen the truth of what was holding me back, or at least the, the truth behind um, some traumas that I was trying to work through. And so that came to the light literally like during, um, uh, what is it? Pre-production of secrets of the temple. And I was like, and it was like the, it was starting to build up and it was, I was starting to shut down a lot. Mm-hmm. And I was just, I wasn't sure how the film was going to, at least how I was going to fulfill my role, but I wanted to be a person of my word. And so I kept showing up. And I think when I, the more I showed up, the more I learned about it's okay to be experiencing this while working on a film. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't define you. Mm-hmm. And so being in that phase of my life where it was literally in all aspects of my life, I couldn't hide from it anymore. Right. It put me in a place where I had to really get real with myself mm-hmm. and to really ask the real questions. I'm like, okay, no more messing around. Like this is a real thing. And it would show up a lot of the time at night, like right when I'd lay down in bed, when the, the world was quiet, mm. the room was quiet. All of a sudden I was like in the room by myself, really sitting there feeling it all yeah. with no distractions. And I realized that it would keep me up at night, yeah. most of the night, like for there's a good month where I would not get any sleep just because it was at that time, the trauma was in a way demanding that I look at it mm-hmm. and that I give it attention. Yeah. And so anyways, do you have any questions or comments about that? Cause like I, I, I could go in so many different directions with this cause it was such a big part of my life um, during like last year and during yeah. the film. Well, yeah, there's a couple things about the breakdown that you were talking about. When you were talking to me at that cafe, there was one thing that really stuck out to me about the breakdown is that you were shedding. Now, feel free to correct me because I don't know if I'm going to say this right, but it was like shedding a part of you that no longer serves you. So you are able to come into the new you or the now. Is that is that like a correct way to say it? Yeah, it, it, that's totally what it is. Like, you know, mental breakdowns have a bad rep for that because like it's, it takes us off our routine. It sets us off our, the track that we want to go on, mm-hmm. but really your heart is trying to lead you to where you need to go. Mm-hmm. And mentally your mind isn't set up to get you there. So that layer has to shed. It has to peel so that you can see more of the truth of who you are, the truth behind what needs to be healed and then to embrace it mm-hmm. so that you can fully emerge into where your heart is leading you to. Mm -hmm. And I love the embracing it and like not thinking it's a bad thing. Cause I think for so long, we think like crying is a bad thing. We think that showing our emotions is a bad thing and having breakdowns is a bad thing. But what I love is that you said, embrace it, like embrace what happened. And just before I had met you, I had a breakdown and I opened up about it and I shared a little bit with you um, because I was like, I just, I don't know why I was like, I felt like I could share. You were very like easy to share things with, Um, but I had gone through through a break breakdown breakthrough and I was just like so stuck in my own head I just couldn't get out and that was like what you were saying when during the night when everything was quiet when there's no distractions you were feeling everything and for me that happened and I just like I couldn't get out of my head and one way that I feel like really helped me was one talk through it I'm a talker so talking through it really helped me and then also I 
tried to switch from all of the negative things that were going on and why I was bullying myself and picking on myself and trying to look at, okay, what are like five good things that happened this weekend versus like the hundred things that I think went bad? What are just five good things? And I ended up going into a state of gratitude and that really helped me get through the breakthrough and I still, or the breakdown and I didn't really know like what it all meant and everything. Um, But when I met you, you told me that like, it's like shedding a layer. And I was like, oh my gosh, I resonate so much with that. Um, But can you tell us a little bit more about how you got through your dark time and it was there any strategies you started using at night to get you more sleep, different things like that? Yeah, I'll answer the the question about the sleep thing first, because I know a lot of people struggle with that. I think more than we'd like to admit. Um, For me, uh, I had to treat it like a child. You know, when a child needs something in the beginning, it's usually pretty subtle. You know, like they'll, 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 they'll get your attention that they need something, but I, the more you try to ignore them or put it off, the louder they get. Mm-hmm. It gets louder and louder and louder and louder. And usually what they wanted was very simple, something to eat, or they wanted to say something really silly to you and you weren't paying attention. They want to show you a picture that they drew. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally, it's like all of a sudden there's this big noise over this little thing that was that they were trying to show. And then you're like, what's what 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 is it? And then they're like, and then they'll say it or they'll show you, like, oh, there you go. And sometimes they'll start crying and sometimes they'll start to throw fits. And as an adult, we can, we can understand the simplicity of what it is that they want, but in their minds, it's big. That's what they're looking for. And it, sometimes you have to meet it with this. You have to meet the the need and not react to the tantrum. Mm. Because usually that will quiet down the noise. And so in my mind, it felt like a crying um, kid that was constantly nagging at me. Mm-hmm. And so the more I tried to fix it according to how an adult would, the harder it got to actually calm down. So mm-hmm. I had to really think about, okay, at a simple level, what am I actually needing right now? And it challenged me to look at the need as if it was a kid presenting to me what was wrong. So that was one like mental strategy that I would go through. And usually, you know, there, there, there is a bit of friction because, you know, it's easy to look at ourselves differently than how we look at other people. Like if it was an actual kid that was keeping you up, it would be easier to work through that. Yes. But when it's yourself, it gets, it's way more challenging. It's a foreign language to us. Mm-hmm. So it's, it was a, like, it had to be a, a couple months for me to actually learn the lesson that when it comes up, you got to meet it right away in this way, or else, you know, you're going to be, you're going to be battling with yourself all night, trying to do it the way that you think it needs to be done. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was one strategy. Um, and the other one, um, and I could go in so many different directions with it, but to keep it simple is what a, what a child needs is love. And what we need is love. Yeah. When we try to meet love in a mental way, you know, we will, we'll make it complicated. Mm-hmm. We'll go through a long list of, oh, this is what love is, but love is a feeling. And mm-hmm. so you've got to find a way to plant the feeling because when, when you find the feeling, the mind calms down because that's what it's looking for. It's looking for that reassurance. And so something that I need, that I had to do was to break down love in very, very simple terms and to, and to really try to focus on the feelings 
of it. Because a mind cannot comprehend love through the feeling. It can only conceptualize it. Right. So for the heart, you got to think, well, what is love? What does love and feel like? And then you got to make it personal. Like, what does it feel like for me? Mm-hmm. Not, not what does love look like for my best friend? Or what does love look like from this book that I read? Or this or that? It's like, what does love feel like for me? Mm-hmm. And to really ask yourself to break it down to the very simplest little things. And so something that I did was I'm like, and I, you know, being in this hard season of my life, this dark season, there were many people I would talk to like, like, like you, I like to talk it through talking mm-hmm. through really helps me come to resolutions. And I'm very grateful for the people there that were soundboards for me mm-hmm. to help me work through it. But I made a list of the, all the people that I've been talking to. I'm like, which one do I feel the most love from? Oh, what, like, like not, not who helps me solve the most problems up here, but who helps me get to here the quickest. Mm. And so that narrowed down, like that took out like three people. And it was like, I was down to a list of like two to three people at that point of like, these are the people that I know embody love mm-hmm. that can, that can I like went like, cause I know for myself, I'm learning how to feel unconditional love mm-hmm. as I'm learning. I need to like, you know, when you're at school, you know, you need to, it's like, it's like breaking down the assignments, bringing down what you need to do to really right. understand it. And I'm like, this is what love feels like for me. Mm-hmm. And so I did that. And then I started thinking about what music do I listen to where I actually feel love in here, not in here. What actually invites love in my heart? Mm-hmm. What movies, what colors, what, um, you know, what, what clothing do I wear? What food do I eat? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's really learning and it's not so much of a battle because like, I think what makes it the, the battles is thinking that it has to be done a certain way. But when we go back to the heart and really ask those questions mm-hmm. and really um, be willing to take the risk with yourself, to be honest, mm-hmm. like, well, how does it feel in, in my heart? Yeah, totally. I love that so much. And I think like a lot of times, like what you're saying is you went inside, you went inside to fix and help yourself. And a lot of the times we're looking for that book or that podcast or the quick thing to get us to start feeling better. I know for me, I was like, I'm so tired of feeling this way. I hit a breaking point where I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like I am feeling just so awful and I can't keep living this way. Um, and automatically our brain just wants that quick fix. But what I love is that you went inside and you asked yourself the really, really, really hard questions that not everybody is willing to ask themselves, to be honest, because they're scary. They are so scary. And I love how you used love in it because I think love is different for all of us, which you mentioned, because you have to go in and ask yourself, what does love mean to you? And you said something about the difference between love in your head and love in your heart. Could you go into a little bit more of the difference between the two for you? Yes. Yeah. Instantly when you asked that, I was like, I started to think about, well, in this book, I, this is how it's talked about or this. And I'm like, I'm like never mind. Like you asked me, how, like, thanks for bringing it back to how does it look for me? Um, well, for me, simply um, in the head it's kind of like a tracking system, you know, like you're, you're keeping track, you're, you're keeping a tally 
And um, sometimes it's so easy to in your in your head to think that if I do this, then therefore this equals love. Mm. You know, like for those who grow up, um, I'm trying to find a way to say it. Like in your childhood, sometimes you will think that if you do this, yes, then this parent will respond in this way, or this person will respond in this way, or like in a dating relationship, if I do this, therefore this person does this, and it equals this. You know. And so it's, it's a tracking system because your mind is very logical and it's, it can be visual, it likes to piece things together mm-hmm. um, from a, a heart level. That one's, that one's challenging because it is very unique to the person, right? but I guess it's challenging to explain. It's very simple when you feel it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, That's okay. That's a great answer in itself too. Yeah. You feel it differently. Yeah. And I, I guess um, for me, the, the, the overall essence of the feeling of love is everything is okay as it is, mm. period. Mm-hmm. End of discussion. You don't need to argue about, well, I'm not good in this way or that way, or wait, how can I be loved if I'm not doing this or that? It's like, no, like everything is okay as it is. I am okay as it is. I already am everything I need to be. There's nothing more I need to do to prove myself. Like it, it, it can get personal into how the language is communicated to you, but that's what it's been to as me. So I know that if anything pulls me away from feeling like nothing is okay, I'm like, okay, I'm stepping out of love because yeah. everything is already okay. Right. Everything is already perfectly set up the way it is. Mm-hmm. So when I'm aware, I know that we're like, um, I ask myself that question when I'm, when I feel like I'm taking that step out. It kind of pulls me back in. Yeah. And oh, there's so many good things in there. Um, For me, like how I perceived love when throughout my childhood was that if I received awards and I achieved high things where everybody could see it, that meant I was loved. And so for me throughout my high school journey, I was striving to be literally perfect. If I got a 98 on a test, I was one of those kids, I'm sorry, I'm going to say it, but I was one of those kids that got a 98 on a test and was disappointed in myself because I was like, it is not perfect. What did I do wrong? Why did I do that wrong? And I was literally always striving for perfection. But at my school, there was this award at the end of the year that they gave out, which was top top academic achievement award. And I wanted it. I first I got to that school. I'm like, I saw it. I'm like, I want that because in my head, in order to receive love, I needed to achieve. And I've been working a lot on that because it is heavy and you're trained from such a young age. Like when I do this, when I do the dishes for my parents, they are happy with me. Therefore, I am loved. And so your brain is trained from such a young age, not that our parents or our family does anything wrong. It's just the way that we grow up. And then it's things that we have to work through. Um, But I didn't realize how bad it was until like it was it, it was controlling my everything. Like I could not like I, I was always worrying about school. I couldn't do anything that was under perfect. Like every, it was all consuming for me. Um, and so recently I've been working on that a lot where detaching my worth from awards and detaching my worth from, um, you know, different, different achievements. Because for me, I'm like, success looks different for everyone. But for me, I'm like, millionaire I gotta have that status and now like my brain I'm like really in there like challenging it like 
what do you really want though? Like, is it the millions of dollars or is it the love that's attached that I think is attached to it? And it's kind of like getting deep into those things where you're just like, whoa, maybe like, I don't want that. Like, it's like, it's like so crazy when you really start working on your brain and figuring out like what it is for you. I was recently in Europe and I had this like realization about love and it's very simple. It's that everybody wants it. Everybody wants love and everybody wants to be loved. And for me, that was like a huge, 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 huge realization because I was really struggling with myself and how other people perceived me. And I went and I just I was walking in Florence. I remember it very vividly. And I was like, oh, my gosh, everything just started clicking that like we make love so much more complicated than it needs to be. It is very simple, but it is very complex all at the same time. And I was like, but at the end of the day, we all just want to be loved. And it brought me on more of a self-love journey more than like an external, because that's kind of like I was always externally looking for others to fill my bucket, other people to tell me that I'm great. And I never told myself those things. I never believed people when they told me these things. And so for me, I was like, this is like a huge moment in my life where I was like, self-love and love is a desire that we all have, but it is hard to achieve. So I'm curious for you, what does self-love look like to you? I guess that's kind of like the main question where it's like, do you feel like you've found self-love within you or are you still kind of working on it? I think it is a work on progress where it's never like fully completed, but like, where are you in your journey with that? Yeah, no, that is a great question. I just first wanted to acknowledge though, everything that you just said, like very beautiful awareness. Mm -hmm. Love is something that everyone wants. Yeah. And I, I think that, you know, you definitely paid a price in some way to earn that realization. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you were searching both on the inside and on the outside, you know, traveling. Yeah. You were definitely on a journey. And mm-hmm. so that is a beautiful insight and it will definitely serve you like as a good anchor point for you and what love means for you. Cause now you, now you have a feeling to associate it with. Yes. Now you can also reflect on like, Hey, this is what it looks like for other people too. They want this and you can like kind of be an anchor and a bright light for people as a reference as they're learning about it too. Mm-hmm. But I just want to acknowledge that like that, that's very beautiful, very yeah. beautiful awareness. <laughs> um, for me, uh, what like self-love, it can, it can have like two different meanings you know there's like there's the feeling there's the the feeling of comfort that ease like where your mind calms down and you feel the depths of who you are and you're grateful for who you are you're grateful for your life and all that you have then there's another kind of self-love where it's like now what does self-love look like and who i want to become Mm. because the the first like version is like kind of to create safety within yourself validation that you need, that you are okay, that you are loved. Mm -hmm. But then there's the next step where it's like, now, how can I take the next step? Mm -hmm. So I think self-love is learning to accept and to heal who you are and, you know, and and the things that happened in the past, but also learning to, to take that and move forward. And like, now, what do I genuinely want? Mm -hmm. 
not like, what do I think I want, but like, what do I want? And sometimes when you start, take the next step into like, who do I, what do I want and who do I want to be? Mm-hmm. Like, for example, it can be as simple as I would like to have this style of clothing. Like that, that shirt looks really good. Or that, those, that those pairs of pants, the pairs of shoes, that looks great. I want to have that mm-hmm. and acknowledging it. Cause sometimes the next challenge or the next, I think, invitation that comes through love is learning to Im- Im- increase your worthiness and things like that. Like for me, I guess that for someone else, it may be kind of second nature to go look at clothing and to think like, that's what I want. And they'll just go buy it. But for me, I didn't prioritize self-love in that way. Mm-hmm. It was much of an inward thing in the beginning, but now it's like, I notice, like I, when I'm at the store, I look at things that I want to buy. Or that I, that I'm like, that looks really cool. I want that. Mm-hmm. And then, the, but the thing that I realized is there's, there's now with that new thing that's coming in, the mind's like, well, they'll start to think, think like, well, maybe you're not handsome enough to wear that or to have the, those pairs of shoes, or you wouldn't look good in that. Or it's like, now it's like, it's a new level of like reassuring yourself that I'm worthy of having this in my life and then taking the risk. Yeah. And it's not going to feel comfortable in the beginning because you are going to be embracing a new layer of self-love in that side of your life. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, you talked about the whole millionaire thing, like Mm -hmm. beautiful awareness to think that like, if all you want is the love behind being a millionaire, then you could just get the feeling, right? Yeah. The feeling is the anchor point, but it doesn't mean that you're not worthy of being a millionaire. You could increase your a capacity to receive that it's just now learning to love yourself enough to take the risk towards being that person who is wealthy, who is abundant, who has that kind of money in their bank account. Mm -hmm. So for me, that's kind of the next level Mm -hmm. is like, I can find the reassurance in here, but now it's like, who do I want to be on the outside? Right. And it's not just about, you know, because a lot of people, I think sometimes they, they shame the, the self-love journey because then it becomes about all about you and all that. But it's like, it's okay. Cause you need to anchor yourself for sure. But I'm learning that sometimes you need to have enough love for yourself to take a risk yes. and taking risks is not comfortable. No, it is not. Can and it you- may not feel like love because your head's going to fire off. Yes. Your head's going to be like, no. <laughs> and I think that risk is a beautiful thing for me. I'm going to tell an example of risk in my life and then I'm going to ask okay. you to share one. Um, but recently in, I guess it's already been a year. I decided to not go back to university to go back to school. Um, and that was a huge, big risk for me because I don't know if it's the same in the U S but like, once you graduate from high school, every, a lot of people are like, okay, well, what are you going to take in school? Your, you know, your next step is to go into school. And so when I uh, first graduated, I was like, I'm not going to go to school. Like I've been doing it for 13 years. I need a break. But then COVID happened. It was like the logical thing to do was to go to school online because I wasn't going anywhere. And I did it. And after that year, I was like, I didn't hate it. I did well. I liked it, but I just didn't love it. And I felt like my heart was always somewhere else. Like it wanted to be somewhere else. And I decided to make the decision to not go back to school and take a year off to achieve some of my goals. One, start this podcast, start a YouTube channel, and also travel. That was a really big thing. Now, I didn't know how the traveling was going to happen, but it was like, 
a big thing I really wanted. Like I have this whole vision board and majority of it is travel. Like it's something that I've always wanted to do. And it ended up happening. And it was the most beautiful thing that I ever did in my whole life. And it was so beautiful because before I went, I was in a really dark place And then I was in a really good place and I got to experience the low lows and the high highs at a different, just a different level. Um, But if I never would have taken that risk, I would have not, I wouldn't have been able to learn as much as I did. I wouldn't have learned about self-love, about more who I am and what I want. And also to realize that like, dang, I'm one capable person. Like I've lived in my family home ever since I was born. So I didn't know how capable I was until I took the risk and put myself out there. And there was also things like, you can't travel as a solo female. Like, that's crazy. Like, that's so dangerous. Um, Even I was telling myself that and I did it anyways. I took the risk and it was one of the most rewarding things I've ever done in my whole life. And so I love what you're talking about when you say like, you have to take that risk. Um, So can you share with us a time in your life when you had to take a big risk and the way it played out? Okay. Yeah, I have one. I, I want to think of one that was like pretty relevant. Yeah. Um, so when you're on this healing journey, you know, you, you're integrating a lot of the pain, the, the past with mm-hmm. the new person that you're becoming. So it's like, the, it kind of comes and goes in seasons. Mm-hmm. And so I've been throughout this year, I've still been kind of cycling through those seasons of integrating myself going from that one step of uh, feeling the love in here and then taking the risk on the outside to integrate it into my life. Mm -hmm. And one of the things um, was I was, uh, I agreed to, and I reached out to and asked if I could help out at this youth camp in Southern Utah. It's a youth camp that I've been a part of actually ever since I was about 13, 14. Mm -hmm. And it's all about the, it's all about embracing who you are, accepting the truth of who you are and living from that space within you. So it's like, it was very much down my arena, like, but it was a huge risk for me because I agreed to it months prior and I would, and I I told him that I would show up and it's all volunteer. So you're going to, you're in, you know, you're out like signal for a week and um, you're out in the woods Mm -hmm. and I'm not making money. And so it's all volunteer. So there was like a huge risk in that way. But the thing that, that, that got really complicated for me is like expenses started to add up for me. Mm-hmm. And as expenses were adding up, um, I realized that I would lose a lot by taking that time off, like financially, like mm-hmm. I would come back and I would have to start, um, playing this catch-up game with my finances. And it's just, it was a position I did not want to be in. And it like caused this a little bit of a panic in me. Yeah. I'm like, I agree to this. I know that I, w- I said that I would be there, but I don't know if I realistically can pull it off and then come out and have a comfortable living situation after. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was just, I was meditating on it. I was like, and I even went and did yoga and I was praying too, just like, I'm a man. I want to be a person of my word, but this is going to really like financially throw me out of balance for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I, as I was sitting there with it and I, I even reached out to the person and I said, Hey, look like the, the camp director. I said, Hey, look, I don't think I'm going to be able to make it. Like, it's not going to work. And she goes, and she re 
you know, she said, okay, she goes, if you don't show up, we need someone to take your place. I'm counting on you to show up. We need you. Mm-hmm. And I remember, um, I was just like, oh my gosh. Okay. Um, how am I going to do this? And I remember I, I took the one anchor point for me was like, I'm a, I'm a person of my word. Yeah. I'm going to do what I'm saying. I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. So I, that was like kind of my foundation. And then I, then I realized, okay, what if this experience could serve me more than money can? Right. I started to visualize how could this experience serve me? Mm-hmm. And I started to like build the foundation on that. And I realized I'm like, okay, if money isn't per se, what you do through, like, if, if I can get paid to do Uber, I'm an Uber driver. And that was what I was be giving up. I was like, if I do that, if I give up that I'm losing this amount of money, but if I go to this camp, that is free, that is volunteer. What can I gain in value back that would serve me the same way that money would. Mm-hmm. And I, I stepped into it with that mindset. And for one, um, I saved money on gas because I wasn't doing Uber every day. So Right. I saved money there. I was fed every day. Mm-hmm. So I was saving money there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was getting free coaching and mentoring from people. And I was also exchanging, you know, insights for people as well. So there was a constant exchange. And at the end, um, I connected with a coach who offered to give me like a free session in which I don't know exactly how much she charges usually for a session, but because I was there and I showed up, I received that coaching Mm -hmm. and I got back and we did like a zoom call and it was exactly what I needed. And the tools that she gave me have really helped me the the last couple of months. And so it's like, by me giving up my time, I, I gained so much value back and natural currency Mm-hmm. And not so much in um, actual currency. And so it was a big risk, you know, yeah. trusting that money will show up if you follow your heart. Yeah. And that's, that's risky. Oh my gosh. There's so many things. I have so many questions. Oh, okay. Let's start with the last thing you just said. So if you trust your heart, money will come. Mm-hmm. How did you get to a point where you could believe that? Because oh, I feel goodness. like in my life, I'm like, I want to believe that and I'm getting there, but I'm like, it is so hard because there's all that, those things in the back of your mind. Like, how is this going to work out? How is this financially going to happen? And I, sometimes I'm like, Oh, money, it just gets in the way. So how do what are your like opinions on that? And how did you kind of get to that point where you were like, if I follow my heart, money will come. That could be a whole other podcast conversation. I I was going to say, it's like so big. It is. Um, and maybe I can try to like, just summarize it a little bit yeah. um, from your question. But the, I think uh, the thing that I realized, and it, it did come through many conversations, reading books, so, and talking to mentors and pondering on it too, and seeing how, you know, testing the theories in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, something that I realized is, the number one reason why people want money just at a core level, kind of like, you know, how you can do a core level that everyone wants love, like money brings security. It brings a feeling of safety. Mm -hmm. 
And it's interesting how we panic when we see the numbers decrease in our bank account. Mm-hmm. So it's just a number and it's just, but like, why does it have that kind of power over us? Because it, it's associated with some kind of level of survival. Right. And so I had to, I realized if, if money is security, how can I feel more secure in myself so that when the numbers change, it doesn't affect my level of security? Wow. Yeah. So that was, that, that's the essence of it. And like, I could really dive in a little bit on like how I came to that realization, but it was a trial and error and it still is a trial and error. Like I'm still, I still panic, over money. <laughs> but it's like, that's where the first, that's where the, um, I think I was anchored in believing that money will show up if you take that risk with yourself, mm-hmm. because if you go in feeling like you have that sense of security, then you will notice the money fluctuate, the numbers fluctuate, and it won't impact you because you've already anchored yourself in a feeling of security. Yeah, that's amazing. Oh my gosh. If you're listening to this, write that down because like that is gold. I'm like, what? I would have never thought of that. That's brilliant. The one thing that I'm like thinking about right now is like how security equals money and and oh it's just like there's so many oh there's so many good things I don't even know what to ask you now um like with money sometimes I'm like well I'm going to test the universe like the universe tests me all the time so I'm going to yeah. test the universe and I'm like okay so if I do this please show me that money will always come and I'm like and I like kind of give it a little bit of a test and I'm like Okay, like I just like a little test for the universe. Sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. But sometimes I think, wow, like it money did come and did it come in big heaping mounts? No, but there was still enough. And I think like something is that there's also this feeling of like a lack of like there's not going to be enough for me personally. Um, And that's like a whole nother thing where it's like retraining your brain and asking yourself, like, how can I give myself more security with the feeling of lack of money and money in the bank account, which is just so amazing. And I'm wondering if you've ever tested the universe. Have what, what was like a little bit of that journey to come to that realization? Yeah, that is a great question. And again, your awarenesses are really good. Like you're, you're definitely, you're definitely building up to understanding more and like increasing it. Like, so your search to understand it is a sign that you will align with it. Mm. so you're you're don't worry like but I just wanted to reassure you that like thank you that at some point you will align with what you're looking for mm-hmm. um I would have to say another experience that came to mind when you asked that question was um and it also goes into the taking the risk because they um there was one time my brother he wanted to go to star Wars celebration in Anaheim, California, the one that just actually happened in May. Mm-hmm. And he invited me to go. And I just thought like, that's going to be a lot of money. Like realistically, I don't know if I can pull it off. Um, but it, it, it was kind of like testing the universe a little bit. Like mm-hmm. I remember when I was talking about it and we had a group of friends that we were going to go with too. And as we were talking about, it, I just had this subtle feeling in my heart. It's like, Hey, just practice 
enjoying the conversation without worrying about whether you're going to make it or not. Mm. And so like, it was a little test from the universe, like just enjoy the conversation. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. So I, I talked to them about the, the experience, what they had planned. And I helped my brother make his plans to go. Mm-hmm. And the invitation was still open to me. And I just, and I just thought, and I, I kept saying like, I don't know if I can realistically pull it off, but I, I still played on that feeling. Mm-hmm. And then there was also this feeling like I knew I was going to go. Like I knew I was going to be there, yeah. but so I was like, okay, I know I'm going to be there, but yet how, I don't understand how I, how, how I am going to get there. Yeah. And so another risk that I took, oh, let's see. I'm trying to think of where to start. There's so many different things to it. Um, okay, here, I'll go back. I'll backtrack a little bit. As I was playing around with the feeling a little bit, um, one of my friends, uh, uh, that was that were, the group that we're going with, he sent me a picture of these free tickets to Star Wars Celebration. He goes, these are yours if you want them. He goes, someone uh, that we were going to go with can't make it and he, he, no one's going to buy them. So he's going to gift them to us. And you're the first person I thought of. So the universe was saying, look, you played around with the idea of Mm -hmm. going without being attached to how it was going to happen or whether you're going to make it or not Mm -hmm. that showed up. So that, and I was like, Oh, okay. And then there was like a few other things. Like if before you go, you got to be tested for COVID and it can't just be a basic COVID test. It's got to be like one of the the higher level. One that costs $200. Yeah. That one. Yeah. One one of those ones. I'm sure you understand. (laughs) And so I took another risk. I was like, okay, the tickets are there. And now there's this other obstacle. If the tickets are there, it means I'm going, you know? So it's like, now there's a few other things to figure out. So I just went ahead. I was like, okay, I, I purchased the, I took the next step by purchasing the, uh, the, the appointment, whatever for the COVID test. Mm-hmm. And I was all the way in Utah the next day that, that was, we were going to get the test. And I was like, okay, so I already put it out there and I'm going. And then the next morning I woke up and I panicked because I was just thinking like, but what, what about this? What about that? What about all these other things that I need to work out? And I realized this is the, hopefully like I'm, I'm answering the, the question. Oh, you are, you are. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I realized that vulnerability, this was another realization that I came to kind of like the ones that you've come to vulnerability bridges the gap. I realize sometimes we look at money as being a, as, as, as like an object, but really it's about the way we think and we feel. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the, I, I was, I was panicking and I realized that it was around money, but I realized I needed to be vulnerable with how I felt. I gave it voice completely. And mm-hmm. I told my brother about it and I told him that I really wanted to go, but I was concerned about the money. And it was like just knowing that I could create that safety with him mm-hmm. helped me fulfill the trip and going. And I know it's weird. It's like it's Star Wars celebration and it's a lot of money. And, you know, sometimes maybe you shouldn't put your money in areas like that or whatever. But like for some reason, this decision needed to be made for me mm-hmm. because like that experience with the youth camp, this experience paid back in many different ways. But that was that was an experience that I thought of when you asked me about it. Yeah. And I, and I can see how like you, you were kind of like testing it you with the universe and then the universe was like, okay, here, 
here you go. It's like, but now it's your turn to do something. And I was just talking about this on another podcast where it was like, the universe will give you opportunities. You will ask for something and they will not just hand it to you on a silver platter. They are going to give you the opportunity to, if you want strength, they will give you the opportunity to develop and have strength. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm like, so I'm like, you can manifest and you can ask for these things, but you, I feel like in my heart, you also have to put in the work. There's opportunities that are given to you. And then you have to also do the work. I think about like in that terms, it's like you were given the tickets and now it's like, okay, now it's your turn. Like, what are you going to do to get yourself there? And you were able to kind of work through it in many different stages. But I love what you also said about vulnerability so much, because I feel I live my life. I'm very vulnerable. I'm very open. And my main purpose of being open is not for myself. It's for others to help others feel like they're not alone, to help them feel like it's okay to feel the way that you're feeling. Because I always wanted someone to do that for me, to be like, it's okay that you're feeling this way. And so I am vulnerable because I want others to feel like it's okay to feel the way that you're feeling. And the most important is that you're not alone because a lot of times we do that. We're like, we're the only ones who are feeling this way. And this is only happening to me. Like, why me? But it's like, in reality, we all go through, we all have very different paths and different journeys, but we do go through similar things and feel similar feelings throughout the whole, the whole big journey of life. Um, But I love that example. And you did answer the question fantastically. I want to kind of go switch a little bit. We're kind of getting close. Do you still have a little bit more time? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Awesome. So I kind of want to go into your acting career and your Mm -hmm. careers as an entrepreneur a little bit, um, because I feel like it really, it really relates to who you are. Um, And I just, I loved when you were talking about at the cafe. So I want to ask you a little bit about your entrepreneurship journey and your journey to getting onto the fan film, the Star Wars, I forget the names, Temple's our secrets of the temple it's of the temples i'm sorry names are just not my thing um but secret secret of the temples can you kind of bring us through your your experience as an entrepreneur and an actor yeah so with acting i've always kind of done it naturally and intuitively um according to like how me and my brother would plan it you know really it, it did start in the backyard yeah. You know, and it like we'd get those little plastic lightsabers, the ones back in the day where you can hold down the yes. button and like, fling it. <laughs> like yes, I know started exactly. doing things with, with those and it was fun. We'd get our friends together and make little movies. And so that's what kind of started peak that sort of that curiosity with me. And like I growing up, I loved Star Wars, I loved Lord of the Rings, I loved action movies. Mm-hmm. And so it, it felt really fun and playful to reenact some of that on my own screen like on this video that I was doing with my brother and so that's in it's it's lit it kind of just has started started there and that's where it's been that's like where most of my acting career came from was just was just participating in my brother's films um and with the entrepreneurship I, I think I've always just been drawn to these ideas of creating something new and doing and like also exploring things that a lot of people don't explore because it's like we have a really good effective system you know things are in order things are running together pretty smoothly there's a lot of things that have been discovered but in my mind I always thought like I wanted to be someone I want to be someone who discovers things that haven't been discovered yet 
yeah. and I, and it's just, it, it's a part of like, I guess who I, who I am. Mm-hmm. And so I haven't done a lot of my own personal businesses. Like I've explored it, but I haven't like made a lot of money off of it, but I've explored starting things like, for example, um, growing up, I helped my friend and his dad run a restaurant. That was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I also worked at a haunted mansion. That was fun because it, it kind of played on the uh, haunted mansion where I got to do some acting but also it was from someone locally in the area and it was a business she was running. So I kind of got to experience it there. I've mm-hmm. helped some people run some self-development companies. Mm-hmm. And so that that's been fun to kind of be a part of the action of um, helping people market it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I also for a while started like my own clothing line and I, and like my, my own little inspirational messages on Instagram. I, and even if you go to my Instagram, you'll probably still see like years ago, I, I have posts of, things that I was starting. Yeah. And then there's like the filmmaking that's like becoming a bigger thing. And mm-hmm. that's very much an entrepreneurship endeavor to build a film company from the ground up. Right. Um, and so a lot of what I have been doing is like with um, entrepreneurship and with acting and filmmaking has all been very intuitive. Mm-hmm. I haven't like done a lot of schooling for it. It's kind of just been like lessons that I've learned through talking to people through some books that I've read and mainly through experience. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm still evolving into how does this look and the actual exchange for money and for like that security. And of course, you know, we can dive deep into this self-development thing again. It's all about the security, whatever, but like, I'm like, I'm, I'm now like in the process of like, okay, how does this work? And functionally in a business, you know, it's, it's intuitive. Now I've got to play around with it, but mm. now I'm, I'm on the beginning stages of making it more of a lifestyle. And um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And what are some of the things that you love about entrepreneurship? I think the idea of just creating something mm-hmm. like w- when it comes to like the money making side of it, I'm still learning how that works, but I like the idea of creating something new. Mm-hmm. And paving your own path. There's something very liberating and exciting about that. Mm-hmm. And were you like raised around entrepreneurs or just you had those opportunities that were given to you? I actually, um, I didn't really grow up around a lot of entrepreneurs. My family, we were definitely open-minded, but I, I wouldn't say we were entrepreneurs. Okay. So it was something that I think I felt drawn to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's- the, the opportunities kind of found me, you know, the universe dished yeah. up some opportunities. Yes. And what would you say is like the best thing about being an actor and the hardest thing about being an actor is? Hmm. Well, I guess my first kind of, I, I, I've been doing it like kind of, it, to me, it's, it's been kind of a playful thing. Yeah. But now it's like after doing Secrets of the Temple, it's it became more of a real like this could potentially be a career. Mm-hmm. And because we got way more professional with how it was delivered. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think the hardest part for me was going from learning, going from now it's an intuitive process, but so now it's like learning how do I make this like a career? Or like how do I mm-hmm. integrate this into um, my life in that way? Like. Yeah, it, it became two different things at that point. Something else too that, and like, I, it kind of goes along with what we've been talking about. The hardest part, I think, for me in filming Secrets of the Temple, was learning to act from here and not from here. Like, it was the whole that head heart battle back and forth that was really challenging for me. 
mm-hmm. is to realize that like, yes, you do need to set yourself up professionally as an actor, but you also need to remember it's an intuitive art. Mm-hmm. And so that was, I think the challenge for me was learning how to like let go of everything that I thought acting needed to look like and really trust myself mm-hmm. and really trust that I am an actor and I can flow into the character. Cause that was, yeah, actually, now that I think about it, that was probably one of the hardest parts for me was learning to turn off my mind and right. to flow with it. Right. And what was one of the best things? Oh, the best things. Uh, I would say the reward that comes like through flowing into your character, like just that feeling of like you are becoming one with it mm-hmm. and you flow into it and then you just kind of watch it play out and you're like, wow, I did that. Yeah. That's cool. I did that. That's so cool. And then I think, oh, I'm, I'm still like in awe about it, but the premiere watching yeah. it on the big screen, I was like, wow, wow, there, there it is. And it's like, just to see like that, that stick that I had is actually a lightsaber now. Like, oh, that's so cool. <laughs> and uh, to see like, there are also moments too, where I didn't trust that I was doing good enough, you know? And I, of course there was that, the whole perfectionism things we were talking about. Like there were moments where I'm like, did I really deliver that? Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, did that really come out as the director wanted? And then, but to watch it on the screen and to see that it wasn't as bad as, as the story I told myself to actually get the reassurance too, from the audience that like that, you know, to see that it was being received. I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. that, that was rewarding, very rewarding to see that how it was received. Yeah, absolutely. I love all the things that you were talking about, especially about turning your passions into something that you can make some money off of. Yeah. Okay. So how, how can I make acting my like job, you know? And I find that I really struggle with that too, because I'm like, I have so many passions. Um, one being this podcast, but I'm like, well, everything I do for my podcast, I do it myself and it doesn't make me any money. Now, I still love it because I'm like, it is worth a million to me in my heart. I love to do the interviews and everything, but I'm like, it would be so nice to like monetize it, to find a way to kind of like start making money off of my passions. And so I'm wondering if you have any insight on that, if there's like something that you've had like an aha moment on, you know, living your passion, but, you know, trying to like morph it into something that you can sustain, like uh, not sustain, sustain for a long time. You know, my mind went to a few, like several things, but mm-hmm. the first thing that I thought of was um, money, like to kind of go back to that feeling of security, mm-hmm. money is a feeling and then it, and then it shows up in, uh, in a different way on the outside. And like I, and it's 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 a concept that I'm still learning. I'm not a professional on. The reason why I'm sharing is because it's something that I'm just now learning about. Mm-hmm. But I, there's this concept that I learned about uh, where if we're going to look at money more on a universal scale and not like in a physical money like physical exchange, mm-hmm. like this conversation has value. Yes, absolutely. We're, we're giving and taking and receiving some kind of value. Money is value. And so in this, in this, in a universal scale, this is money. Mm. We're, we're sharing that experience. Mm-hmm. So the way that I look at it 
is the universe is the overall bank. You know, if we invest in something, we invest in giving value somewhere, the universe will naturally pay you back in another way. Mm-hmm. We'll reimburse you. Right. And so I know that this is, this is a, this is a whole other way to look at it. Yeah. Um, but the thing that I've learned, like with little things, like, you know, with filming, like secrets of the temple, it was all volunteer based. So mm-hmm. I didn't get paid for it, but I know that the value of me choosing to show up and to be, and to have integrity about showing up, I knew that I was investing in another opportunity that will pay me back in some way. Mm-hmm. And so there's that way that money shows up. But then there's also learning to trust that as you're continuing to invest in that bank account, that the, that the universe will come back around and reimburse you in some way. Like, you know, for me, for example, I think the way I got reimbursed with a few things was getting free tickets to Star Wars Celebration. Like it's, it's just keeping track of the little things like that that show up mm-hmm. or that free coaching session that I got after the youth camp. Like that paid me back for choosing to show up. Right. And so I would, if, if I wanted that coaching session, I would have to would probably have to pay money or like if I want to go star celebration, I'd have to pay for that experience, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, is that answering your question? Yeah. Yeah. It's like just changing the mindset really. Yeah. I like that. I like it. It's like just changing the mindset on how you think about what you're putting out into the world. And although like it doesn't bring you direct money in the long term, it will eventually come back to you. That's like, yeah. that's essentially what you're saying. Right. Yeah. And this is, this is a, um, I understand that like probably a few years from now, I'm going to look back at this and be like, okay, there are more ways to elevate it. Yes. But this is my current understanding of it. Mm -hmm. And I know that I'm growing. I know that you're growing Mm -hmm. with it as well. Yeah. Uh, Something too, that I've been learning, and I'm sure uh, you're probably aware of this too, is trusting that no matter what you do, if you're investing like on a universal level, Mm-hmm. The universe will have your back and it'll take care of you and you'll receive abundance through those avenues. Yeah. But also opening up channels of money for the universe to channel money through. Yeah. Like sometimes, um, like for example, maybe picking a main job that you do and you're like, this is the main channel that I'm going to keep open for money to flow. I know that it's predictable if I, if I, I put in this many hours, I'm going to get this much back. Mm-hmm. You, you know that that system works. So maybe if you want to get paid doing like a podcast, look at other ways that you can make money by doing a podcast and get really creative because it, it first has to open up with the awareness, right? With the realization, you know, with this other, this normal nine to five job, you know, you'll get paid for it. Right. You know that and your mind was reassured that you'll get paid. So, you know, you put in the work and you do that. You can do research on the podcast and be like, okay, how do people get paid doing podcasts? Yeah. And I'm sure you've done research. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yes. <laughs> and I'm sure you've talked to many people about it, but like getting creative in the littlest ways that you could open up little channels for money to flow. That way, when you continue to invest in this universal bank, the universe has a channel for it to go into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very powerful. And I love that you brought that to the table of a conversation because it is so important that we don't close ourselves off from many opportunities that could come our way. I think sometimes too, we're like, well, this doesn't directly align with where I, my goals and my final goal. So I'm not going to do it. 
but you never know where it could lead you. Just like you said, with your camp, you just never know where things can end up leading you and where you can get those deposits. Uh, you can deposit at the uni um, universe and see what comes back to you, which I absolutely love. Uh, so thank you again for sharing. Like you've shared so much wisdom. And again, like you said, I really love that you said like from where we are right now, this is where we're speaking from, you know, in years to come, we might be like, oh, I would have said this or this or this. Um, but coming from where we are right now, this is the knowledge that you have, which is so amazing, so great and so beautiful that you were um, willing to share it with all of us. Before we get into the final four questions, do you have any last words, anything else you want to say to the audience? Hmm. At the moment, I'm feeling pretty good about what's been said. Yeah. I, um, I guess there's two mantras, like things that I, that has really helped me that I want to share. Mm -hmm. um, trust your heart. It knows the way. And then two, this is a second, this is a quote from the movie Dune. Mm -hmm. It says, and it's, and it reads, um, i trying to remember. Let's see. The mystery of life is not a problem to solve, but a reality to experience. Ooh. I mean, that like, that's been a huge like mantra, like for me to come back to is like when I'm, when I'm concerned about, or like I'm trying to, you know, kind of like we're talking about solving problems. Yeah. Like we feel good to solve a problem in order to get somewhere. Yeah. Sometimes you just need to experience the problem and experience yeah. that it's no mystery, you know, experience that it's like, it's just a part of you. And that's just it. It's yeah. not a problem. It's just an experience. It's a reality. And yeah. so anyways, those are the two things that came yeah, to mind. I love them. And the first mantra, it really made me think that like, I was told a couple of weeks ago that like, you just need to let yourself be a little bit lost because your heart has a compass in it. And it will never lead you astray. It knows what it's that. doing. And I like, when I heard that, I was like, I love that so much. And what you said is very similar. It's just like, trust that your heart knows where you're going. Um, so let's jump into the final four questions. Okay. You're going to love these ones. All right. So what is the best piece of advice you received and from whom? So as of I could, I could reflect on many different things, but yeah. in this season of my life, the best piece of advice that I received is love is the only energy that heals. Oh, okay. Yes. I love that. And that's like really a lot of what we've been talking about today. That's a beautiful thing. And do you know where you got that from? Is that? I do. Yeah. Yeah. It came from one of my, uh, oh, I, I don't know how to put it. Like she's definitely my certified life coach but yeah. she's been like a second mother to me. Mm -hmm. Okay. So she's more than just a life coach to you. Yeah. Awesome. And it's, it's been really, and I, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's where I got from. I love it. Okay. Next question. What is the worst piece of advice you've received? Make it till you make it. Oh, can you explain that a little bit? Why do you think that's the worst advice? <laughs> because, oh, I'm, I'm trying to break it down. Because a lot of the times we are being fake. The way we're showing up is sometimes is not authentic. Mm -hmm. So why, why fake more, you know? Mm -hmm. that, and it just seemed like it, is, it, it was a piece of advice that didn't resonate with me. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's more like 
just being your authentic self. Don't be fake. Just go out into the world and be your authentic self. You know, and maybe that's what the the, the principle behind that quote is. Mm-hmm. You know, and maybe I maybe I misunderstood the concept growing up, but I think the way that I tried to apply it, it wasn't serving me and it wasn't, you know, a good piece of advice. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree. I like that. I like that answer to it, actually. It's a very unique answer to this question. I find that this question really is hard. Like for me to personally answer it, I'm like, oh, what is the worst piece of advice? Um, so I really love the way that you answered it because everybody has different, different ways of perceiving things, right? And so fake it till you make it is kind of kind of not the way to live your life. You want to live most authentically. So I yeah. agree with what you're saying. I mean, often have I said fake it till you make it? Has that thing came out of my mouth multiple times? Yes. But I think more it could be replaced with like just go out and be your most confident self kind of thing. Yeah. And you think is it's a piece of advice that has served you. And I don't want to degrade how it has served other people because I think the principle behind it is based in doing the best you can show up the best you can until you understand how you can do better. Yeah. And so I think, and I think the reason for me why it didn't resonate so well with me is because it was kind of delivered under a no pain, no gain kind of mentality. Mm. And it's just, when you tell somebody no pain, no gain, it means like I have to earn what I want through pain. Then you associate what you want with pain and then you don't want to do it. Yeah. So I think that's the reason why it wasn't received well for me. Right. Because yeah. I just like, I don't want to feel more pain. Yeah. And I mean, I'll feel pain if it's necessary, but like unnecessary pain. No. Yeah, totally. Totally. I get it completely. The next question is what is the best piece of advice you would tell your younger self or someone in the younger generation? Like if you could go back and talk to your younger self, what would you say to them? Something along the lines of you are already everything you need to be. You already have all the answers inside of you. Um, in the Bible, there is a, a verse read by Jesus Christ. That is uh, the kingdom of God is within you. Mm-hmm. And I really resonate with that. And I would find a way to explain that in the way that like, you are already everything you need to be. You already have all the answers you need. And beyond that, like you're, you're brilliant. You're a genius. You're wise. You're smart. Mm-hmm. And, um, but in essence, it would be, you are already everything you need to be. And that, thank you for asking that. Cause actually I want to think more about that. Yeah. It's a great, it's a great question to ponder. Um, and I love your answer to it because I think so often we like So I think a lot when we're young, we are trying to figure out who we are, what we need to do to become who we are. But we don't realize that we have the strength, the courage, the confidence we already need inside of us. We just have to figure out how to unleash it. And I love what you said because it is so beautiful and it's so true. And if I could tell myself a piece of advice, I think it'd be very similar to what you said along the lines of like, you are worthy just because you are here, point blank. So Yeah, I really appreciate you sharing that with us. And the last question is, what are you grateful for? Uh, Yeah, I I do have a gratitude journal. And the one that I've been writing in the last couple of days is, uh, I think it was yesterday, actually. 
I watched the new chapter on YouTube for Secrets of the Temple. And like, of course, I've already seen it three times. Right. At the premieres, <laughs> but like watching it and being reminded of how I felt at the premiere mm-hmm. and how rewarding and special that was. Mm-hmm. I found myself saying, I am deeply grateful that I get to have this as a memory that I get to carry with me for the rest of my life. Yeah. Every time I watch this scene, listen to this music, it's going to remind me of that time at the premiere. And I'm grateful that I have that. Yeah. That I, I for it's like the, for years to come, you know, I'll be able to watch that and the same feelings will come back. It's like a, it's a feeling uh, journal. Yeah. It's just an indescribable feeling that you will be able to reflect on for the rest of your life, which is yeah. awesome. Yeah, I love that. Oh, thank you so much, Spencer, for spending so much time with me today and just opening up about you and your life and some of the challenges that you've had and how you've overcome them, but also giving us like amazing tools that we can all take. I feel like I've learned so much from you today and just you opening up about your experiences and diving into some stuff. If you ever want to come back and talk about anything, you're always welcome. I love having conversations with you. I feel like you you really understand where I'm coming from as well, which is such a nice feeling. So thank you so much for joining me today. You are welcome. Honestly, like I, I feel very honored and privileged to have had this opportunity. And I definitely feel like you, you're a bright soul and you have a lot to offer. And like, I'm glad I get to collaborate with you on that. Like you, you definitely have a lot of passion. You want to help people. And it's coming from your heart. And so I'm just even looking at your Instagram page and all your other podcasts, like you have so much you're giving. And so like, I, I feel honored to work with people who are on, on a journey like that. Oh, thank you. That is so sweet. I've enjoyed watching you as well on the, um, the movie premiere. That was just so amazing. Your acting was amazing and I could feel that you were really putting your heart into it. Uh, like you said, you were trying to get out of your mind, but I could really feel that you were pouring your heart into it. And I'm so excited to see what you do in the future. And I'll be cheering you along the whole way uh, because I really do. I really do believe in you and all the things that are coming up for you. Well, thank you. 